We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. It's time for KNC. What? The real KNC. It's called the only KNC now, right? Best producers in the market. Morning show producers. Curtis and Ken. I love those guys very much. Podcast stars. Oh, how do you not know that? And you'd be like, ah, Curtis, idiot. Lumpy. Uh, Come on, Lumpy. Lumpster, you moron. And now. 5.30 a.m., the real KNC to live radio every Monday, a half hour before the show. Live on the air? Live on the air. (laughs) 93.7. This place is going to drop in ratings. Ken Laird and Chris Curtis. Curtis on your radio. I think it's a bad idea. Here's Ken. Can I just say something to you, Ken? Yes, you can. I love you. And Chris. Ken and Curtis aren't adults. They are sycophants. Both of them will try to make me look like an ass. On Sports Radio WEEI. Well, it's taken three years, but I'm finally a star. I showed up after 5 a.m. this morning. This was the first time... I think I showed up at 5 a.m. once before you came back after you, you know, the drunk Curtis, then we right. had the hiatus. You were gone for, what, three months? Right. Then you had Sober Paul with you. I had Sober well, well, I had Paul with me. Right. Uh, and, I, and I had to call in once, and I was in the Curtis role, and I showed up at 5, and it was okay. I, I kind of made it through. But you have to, when, if you don't get here, normally we get here at about 4.15, 4.30 latest. Right. You know, 4, 4.15, 4.30, somewhere in that range. And now that you and I are doing the Monday show, my goal is to be here no later than 4. 4.40 or so, my, I wake up like in a cold sweat. You know, I've, it, it was late night, of course, brewing oh, celebration going on in my house. My daughter and I were high-fiving at 11.30 Maya last night. Maya was tweeting up a storm yeah, last night. Yeah, my Outraged that the Post-Dispatch was tweeting out <laughs> celebratory ads. <laughs> no, okay, no, we'll get back to that. Uh, but so, you know, I stroll in here at 5. We got the great John Anderson, an up-and-coming star here at the WEI helping us out. So our open is not yet done for the 6 o'clock show. That's correct. I was just working on an office element for the last 10 minutes and ran in here down the hall. Yeah, which is a, it's a work of uh, passion of yours because Pam was featured in oh, between baby. periods last night. And uh, we have the great John Krasinski drop. Curtis, keep your pants on. That was n- uh, very much in effect last night as you were watching. Got Jenna me Fisher. exactly where I needed to be. That oh, was first intermission, that. and that was the questions by the crew from NBC were abhorrent. That was. No, Milbury was pretty good. Like, oh, the, at least he, he got a character. He asked about. He asked her a Dwight. Who's question. the guy in the far right? The, the tall guy. He asked about the party planning committee. Was it Keith Jones? I yes. Th- yeah, I think it was Jones. Awful. It was like yeah. some producer was feeding him. Like, ask about the party. Oh, see, that was the office hardo. Curtis is going to get upset at Keith Jones because he didn't get the. If I can be a hardo on right? one thing, I've seen every episode at least five times. It is the office, and have a couple good <laughs> questions ready. My God. Well, Milbury had one good one. Yeah, Milbury was fine. He's from Boston. The office cast is from Boston, but the she was awful too. I mean, well, she God. was nervous and she was reeling. That, that was when Liam asked her about the St. Louis uh, uh, or the uh, Post Dispatch putting out that uh, release. But here's that you're the easiest to. question you have there. There's the most famous Michael Scott, or among the most famous Michael Scott lines of all time. He says, "I'm not superstitious. I'm a little stitious." So you ask, well, that why question, didn't she pull that out? Well, she was nervous. That's not her job. It's the NBC family. They should have had a question. You know, your old boss, Michael Scott, might have been a little uneasy with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm not superstitious, but I'm, I am a little stitious. There, there it is. is. Right. Nice. John Anderson nailed it in two seconds. The NBC <laughs> crew couldn't find that for five minutes. But, oh, well. Uh, well, this is a good point by you. I'm trying to find this on our uh, 
texts. Uh, it's not a Slack channel, but me and Mutt have like a an I chat, whatever you right. We tell Mutt what to say, and he says okay. So there was some conversation about the about the the uh, Pam spot there. Uh, Mutt was very happy that Milbury went to White, uh, but you were very upset. I think that the here's the tweet: the office is no longer cool. Right. That's it, the that's the text from Curtis, which is totally shark. accurate. I mean, they jumped the shark years ago, even toward the end of the of the of the office itself. You stopped watching, didn't you? The final seasons of The Office were not great, but it sort of had this uh, renaissance because of Netflix. There's a younger generation that didn't really see it, so now it's I think the second most viewed show on Netflix because people have just sort of it's like Arrested Development in a way. Yeah. People have gotten back into it that missed the heyday of it, mm. but it is just the tweets about it, the questions. Jenna, Jenna Fisher's performance last night, all of it was just awful. Now you know John Krasinski, yeah, he's they're going to play that up for the first period. It's just a brutal, brutal job by NBC. But the bottom line is, Game 7, Wednesday night here. Dale is uh, 6 to midnight. Oh, you are God. not uh, thrilled that uh, we have Hockey Talk for four more days. I mean, you've done well navigating the waters, best you can. But, best I can. Uh, but in general, you're just you're sour. You're oh. sour that the Boston media, you're sour that... Uh, uh, the Bruins are at the forefront yet again. I grew up in this town. I used to think that the media's job was to unearth uncomfortable, interesting stories about the teams that we liked, right? So the different conversation than the living room when you're watching the game, cheering on the team, the people covering the team's job was to find out the juicy information, find out things that were going to agitate the players, you know, all of that. And now I see it. And yesterday, a bar in St. Louis was rented out before the game, for the Blues to use to celebrate in the event that they won. And you would have thought they were, you know, going to wait have Bin Laden's kid be the banner captain. I mean, it was like the way Twitter reacted to that. Like, what do you expect them to do? You don't mean Twitter. You mean local media The local media Twitter members reaction. on Twitter, the Bruins media Twitter, reacted as though they were found that they were kidnapping Bruce Cassidy's daughter in, you know, before the game. It was unbelievable. Who cares? And why wouldn't they rent out a bar? Okay, but the, but as as far as the St. Louis Post Dispatch, this was like an E edition, right? That got out that they this was a letter from the chairman uh, to fans, con, you know, thanking them for the support. And the cup parade was discussed. Do you think said, that there was uh, advertisements in the Los Angeles Times ready to print in the event the Rams beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl? Do you think the local In and Out Burger, Mutt's favorite place, had an ad ready to go? in the L.A. Times, in the event that the Rams beat the Patriots. Okay, but it's a story. You're saying it shouldn't be covered or no, shouldn't be discussed? No, but it's not an outrage. Everybody in the media knows well, that there's were... packages done beforehand in the event of either outcome. It's not like the Blues are sitting there saying, look, we don't think the Bruins can beat us. We are already planning our party after the game. Look at the local businesses <laughs> have already invested money in an ad. You think that at 11 o'clock last night they're all of a sudden going to sit down at a, you know, a meeting and be like, what are we going to write in our ad? The Blues just won it all. Holy crap, we have to do that now all right but this goes back to you know the Steelers in uh, 2001 had uh, already planned their trip to New Orleans in the Super Bowl well, that's and, and the Eagles because Fourier was sitting there in the front row he ate that whole thing up because he's a dummy but I mean I think that of course that's used that's what the Belichick that's the difference Bill Belichick is the head coach of the New England Patriots he is to find any perceived slight against his team to rally them up because he his job is to win games and he views that as a means to motivate his team it is not Dale Arnold's job as a Bruins reporter, to find out and seek out stories that will motivate he the didn't team. seek it out. Somebody had, it was on social media and it was a retweet. So I do you think it was a big deal? Do you think it was something that as a media member they you should be They brought it up on the NBC Sports uh, telecast okay. last night. It's not the job of the media to rally up the team. 
Well, but it's what? become Twitter is causing everybody rally up the team. Oh my he? god! Twitter give is me turned... an example. Give me give me an example besides Twitter. Twitter, Twitter. Give me a, who, who Dale who, Arnold. Who? Dale uh, tweeted about it. Dale tweeted about it. I, I couldn't. Joe McDonald. Story. I'm sure all the local Bruins beat guys just put Bruins media into one tent. They you their job as to rally the Bruins to say, oh, the Blues suck. The refs are out to get us. They're you know embellishment. Well, this the refs are out to get them. It's Were. a joke. It a good this job town last night by turned Dwyer. into a like a, a college town. It's like we're Columbus, Ohio. The way people view these teams, it's embarrassing. I mean, okay. Question for you, Ken. Yep. Do you think if the Bruins media knew what happened with Tukarask, do you think members of the Bruins media know why Tukarask missed those games earlier this season? Oh, the personal leave. Right. That's. I don't think so. Okay. Let me ask you a different question. Do you think? If they knew and it was damaging for Tuka Rask, they would be less likely to go public with it. Yes. Okay. Yes. If the Bruins knew the same exact story, let's say Joe McDonald knew why Tuka Rask was absent and it's because of whatever, a personal issue with, uh, I'm not going to speculate, but let's say it was a damaging personal issue mm-hmm. for Tuka Rask. And he had the exact same information about Bennington last week. Do you think he would go forward with news that was damaging to the opponent's team's goaltender Instead of using it against Tukaras, uh, I don't know. It, it depends on what it was. If it's a, like a domestic, like a legal issue that got swept under the rug, I think I'm saying not legal. I'm saying damaging personal uh, information. Something, something uh, about his home life. Uh, they'd be more likely. Yes, right. I'll grant you that. More likely to go. They with are it, keepers with of the gate. I mean, I go back even to 2011. Like these stories get like Seth Wickersham. We'll use that example. The national media reports aggressively about the local teams, and then the local media responds by attacking the reporter who addressed the stories that were damaging about the local team. It should be the opposite. Here's all Dale said. Somebody said, heard through the the St. Louis grapevine, the Blues have the entire top floor of a downtown bar rented out for tonight. Stanley Cup celebrations are planned. And Dale said, it would be a real shame to mess those plans, wouldn't it? Oh, (laughs) God. It'd be a real shame to mess those plans, wouldn't it? Like, what sweater were you wearing when you (laughs) tweeted that, Dale? That wasn't so bad. That's Uh, not bad. It's the whole thing. It's just the way we cover this. We've all become Dan Roach. You're easily triggered. You're upset. Dale's having success. And Dale is Dale having success? He keeps working. Look at all this extra work he's got. Oh, financially, yes. Great. I'm sure Dale is doing great. He's rolling. His book, did you see his picture? He tweeted a picture of the book was right by Harlan Coben on the top shelf of a bookstore in Maine. This weekend. I hope Dale sells a million books. It's a wonderful thing. The coffee cup got mentioned last night. I think it's a great story. The Bruins are doing phenomenally. Boston's about to win its third title in a row. That's spectacular. I just find the media's coverage of the Bruins, of the Red Sox, of the Patriots, in general, there is nobody in this town that is seeking out information that may hurt or may uh, cause issues with players you within these locker rooms. You want them to expose rooms. Tuka's home life No, after I just want game them six. to cover the team, not cheer for it. I don't know when Boston became this, but when I grew up, Jerry Callahan famously cited Loserville. People ripped the players in this town. They ripped the GMs. The toughest job in Boston was to be the manager of the Red Sox. Now being the manager of the Red Sox is the easiest gig in Boston. Alex Cora can well, do no wrong. you and Jerry are the biggest Brady fanboys around, so you want to talk about embarrassing. Okay. There you go. Do you think that there's a difference between saying that Tom Brady's the greatest of all time and flipping out because some bar in downtown yeah, I, St. Louis was rented out because the St. Louis Blues are one win away from winning a Stanley Cup? Yeah, but I listened to you talk to Brady off the air on Mondays when he calls it. Oh, man, is that a little creepy? It's I a put little my pants awkward. on. It's, I knew you 
you were going to go there, and it's a great point. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Well, You're Tom, not going to Tom Jerry will be right with you. We'll go get you on okay, right away. Saying that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time is a little bit different from sitting there watching the Bruins game wearing an I Afraid shirt and begging them to close the bars so <laughs> the Blues had rip, look, look, look. rented out. Is that what Dale had on last night? Oh my God, he was tweeting out selfies, self sending them to me as texts. <laughs> well, we uh, that's beside. We've gone off track here now. This is week two of the pre-show. It's Laird and Curtis. We're live, 530. You can call us, 617-779-7937 if you'd care to. We haven't taken a call yet on the pre-show. We haven't had a call yet we had on the pre-show. We banked lines last week. We had a break. Yeah. Uh, but we have no, the open is not done yet. So this is sad. Because I was late and I'm a big star, I spent almost 20 hours in a Red oh. Sox booth with Joe Castiglione this weekend. It was 80 degrees in the booth, mind you. And uh, the baseball was mostly putrid. But I'm a star. I mean, th- I, plus Sunday skate. Plus, I've been on some kind of major heater, as they call it now, with the Coleman, my Coleman prediction what last week. What a job by you. 7D, I was on that. I told you Chara was going to play right from the jump when Fourier was saying Dunsky. So uh, I've got it all right now. You've been on top of it. And I take back ripping the local media because listening to the 20 hours that you did with TC and Kostig, well, God, the things there? they were saying about the Red Sox, killing Cora, oh, ripping Dombrowski, saying they should sell the team. I thought Kostig was out of line. How about me in the pregame, uh, those electric spots with me and uh, – <laughs> Oh, uh, McAdam. Mutt, Mutt's killing your pregame via text. Yeah, well, it was I a mean, little dry. I've McAdam to his and I are... spots. They were not great, Mutt. Uh, that's a fair point. Okay, now we'll have an update on David Ortiz coming up. And Reamer was rattled this weekend. It's the pre-show, the pre-Mutt and Callahan. It's the only KNC in Sports Radio WEI. This is Mutt and Callahan on Sports Radio WEI. I'm Lori Grandy. Now back to Ken Laird and Chris Curtis live on WEI. Back to more of Mutt and Callahan on Sports Radio WEI. I'm 26 years old and a regular time on a major station. I'm doing just fine. My, my career is doing fine. I was on the morning show. I was 23. I was in. It was great. I was going to be in one hour. I was in for two hours. I was a regular from that point on. So I, I've, I've done nothing but succeed at a very high level so far in my so career. What- Oh, just a little glimpse of uh, Reamer over the weekend. A rattled Alex Reamer. It's segment two of the pre-show. The only KNC. Ken Laird. Chris Curtis. We are with you Monday mornings, 530 to 6. We're so big, Wiggy can't even come in studio. No, Wiggy's in the producer's chair right now. By the way, Lori Granny giving us the uh, the Look live tossback. Our girl, Lori. We love that. Thank you, Lori. We're big now. We're superstars. Game seven coming up Wednesday. I'd just like to say selfishly, for me, this is 10 years to the day, June 12th, after I covered a game seven Penguins at Red Wings Cup Final Game 7 at Joe Louis Arena. So I think that's just cool personally. I get to cover a second Game 7. I'll be there awesome. for us. Maybe behind on, the pole? Yeah, behind the pole. But you have a chance to get on the ice, which is always just total chaos. So 10 years ago, I'm covering the Penguins. They win uh, on the road. Max Talbot scores both goals. Well, you have to get past the autograph line with Haggerty and Dale that are you know after the game. Oh, it was insane. There were like players' wives and girlfriends screaming at security to let them on the ice, and it was just total madness. But anyway, I get on the ice and I'm trying to talk to the guy who scored both goals in Game Seven, and he starts screaming at me, "Get the f out of my face! I don't want to answer questions right now." It was total banana lands. What? Like, he just he didn't want to talk to the media, which like, it's awkward. You know, you're there after a championship, whatever. Anyway. Uh, more about that later, or maybe uh, no more I about like that it. later. We, we, I was in this studio after the Bruins' last Stanley Cup. DA and I went on until 6 a.m. on Brand X. Live overnight? Live overnight. Ooh, we should do that again. Yes. Ken Mutt. Curtis overnight. Oh, you and I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday, I'll be up anyway. Calvin's in St. Louis. He uh, posted, everything's going to be all right yet again. He just posted the same column again. Want to give a David Ortiz update before we get back to Reamer. And, uh, boy, was Reamer rattled this weekend. Was that a thing of beauty? 
But uh, David Ortiz, as you probably heard by now, was shot in the Dominican last night in his hometown of Santo Domingo at an amusement center is what they called it. I don't really know what that means. Maybe it's a bar or like a... a, I assume it's a nightclub bar type type area. The Sox released a statement that David's family confirmed he sustained the gunshot wound to the lower back and the abdominal region. He is recovering after surgery at Clinica Abel Gonzalez in Santo Domingo. He is in stable condition and is expected to be okay per his agent, Fernando Cusa. And David's father, Leo, told reporters no organs were affected. The doctors anticipate a full recovery. So that is great news uh, so far from what we're hearing from David Ortiz. Now, to Reamer. It's Wiggy Week. We have Wiggy in all week. A decision made collectively by the Brain Trust here. Correct. Mostly Chris Curtis, who's yes. the uh, executive producer. Right. But I support you fully because we believe in Wiggy. We like Wiggy. We want to give Wiggy a little reward. He's been calling for it. He's been good. Ratings have been high when he's been in. Uh, we think consistency might help here, and we're going to try it out. We're going to see how it goes. We're going to rate every show this week, you and I personally. I don't know if we'll give it like a number, like a numeric. Uh... I think one out of ten. Okay, one to ten. We'll give it a ten after the show. We're going to collect these uh, results by the end of the week. Now, he's turned down the Friday appearance, I think, because of the uh, son's graduation, so he's going to be docked points for that. The only graduation that starts at 6 a.m. Right. It's a little odd, but uh, okay, so that's fine. But I appreciate that Wiggy put the screws to Reamer big time yesterday, and at first, Reamer had this attitude like, I'm not participating in this. He was he was very... Uh, well, at first, Reamer sounded like drunk Curtis. God, he was out late, showed up right before the broadcast, was totally that's out thing. of it in the opening segment. I'm heard. He showed up one minute before the start of the uh, broadcast, it, which he shouldn't be on Sunday mornings. He doesn't want to be on Sunday mornings. His attitude sucks, quite frankly, and he should just be stripped off that show. I like Reamer. It's not picking on him, but it just he doesn't want to be there, so why is he there? I think it's a bad look. I agree, and the, the tonality of Reamer yesterday just got to me. I was listening to the show. I listen every week. Uh, and he talks about the issues he's had at WEI as though someone is out to get him. Like, the boogeyman keeps popping up and causing him to miss time on the air or get banned from shows or to have issues off the air because of things he said. And it's like there's no accountability. It's a bizarre tone. It's like the thing with me, you know, he – Immediately pivoted on the air and yelled at Kirk like, you know, like didn't take accountability for that when he had his parole hearing. I've bled out for this station. And then he says, like, you know, like last year, it's like everything that these were all your doing. I never wanted you to get fired. You shouldn't have been fired. I'm happy you're on the air. I like you at WEI. But it's just an odd route to take saying that victim card. You're a victim. You're not a victim. You did those things. People got outraged, right or wrong. The radio station made decisions for the best interest of the company at the time to protect key assets at WEEI. You weren't fired. You kept here. You were here. You got a paycheck. You just got a new contract. And it's like he's this aggrieved party. It's a bizarre way to attack the situation. But I'm not going to dance on command so they have audio to replay in the morning. Yeah, so that was the attitude early. Now, John Anderson, who's running the board for us now, was in for that show. Didn't you find it interesting, John? Like, by the course of the show, his to- he changed a little bit. Like, Bradford called in, and he seemed to lighten up a little bit afterwards. And somehow Bradford was missed on the show, I thought. I thought very in, much. In a I, weird way. I didn't way. anticipate that, but Bradford should get a raise. Yeah, I mean, so he called in, and maybe that lightened Reamer up. I don't know. But when, when Wiggy calls Reamer, I think Alex just kind of shuts down a little. I think he gets sick he of it totally after a while, took the ball and he's, and just, home. he's just, just done fighting it. I know. Like, where's the fight? I mean, and and so he's not going to dance for us. 
Uh, this is not like we're not trying to poke Reamer. We just we want to see how Wiggy does for the week. I have never been a bigger fan that. of Wiggy than I am right now. I want Wiggy to kick ass this week, have a great week of shows, and then Reamer really has some... Um, some I, I think he sort of felt like with the new show, with Kirk gone, he doesn't have to sort of be as edgy, as prepared, as... I don't know what the term is, but he's he's missing that sort of like desperation that made him such a key character on the old show. Like I think he's... Comfortable. He's comfortable. Too comfortable. Well, he's put in a request. He wants to do, the next time he's in, a show with Jerry, just him and Jerry. We talked about this last week, which I don't think is a terrible idea, actually. So he wants just those two for a couple hours. So maybe Friday, if he's if he gets his uh, head out of his ass and he gets the right attitude, maybe that will be 6 to 8, and then we'll bring Mark James in or something uh, stupid after that. But does he deserve it? I don't know. Hopefully Wiggy just says, I can do all week. Right. I think That's Wiggy, the best option. Wiggy in all week is the best option. I am open to having a Jerry and Reamer show six to eight. The concern is there's nobody to pivot away from, you know, immigration or, you know, the LGBB community at any point should they sort yeah. of get down that road. And you're not here either to say, uh, right. I think we should move on for this right. in, in a drunken tone. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, what do you expect on today's show? Game seven is, uh, as you know, Curtis, unpredictable. Anything can happen in the a game The two greatest seven. words in sports are Dale Arnold. The second two greatest words in sports <laughs> are game seven. So I am jacked and pumped for the conversation. Everything's going to be all right. That's what Matt Kalman wrote. We spent 1000 bucks to send him to St. Louis, and that was his column. He and just reposted photo. it. Yeah, in an arch photo. Same column from after game two as after game six. Great job by Kalman, I thought. Excellent. Uh, Wiggy Week begins in just mere minutes, and hopefully we'll get the Open done in time. See you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 